welcome to the First Intuition Podcast. On this show, Dave is joined by Michael Wolby. They talk about exam stress and anxiety and ways that you can manage it throughout your professional studies. As always, the show was recorded in front of a live Zoom audience. And if you'd like to join a future session, I've put a registration link in the show notes. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the First Intuition podcast. And for those of you that are live today, um, it's great to see so many of you that are, are here. Um, my normal co-host, Ben Bullman, is, is not available tonight. So it's, it's me that's hosting today. Um, ben is celebrating his birthday today. I'm, I'm not going to not going to tell you how old he is, but if you want to hazard a guess, I'm more than happy for you guys to um, to put something in, in the chat box or, or leave a comment on this um, against the podcast. But I do have a very special guest. So I'm joined by Michael, Michael Walby. So, Michael, good evening. Good evening, David. And I have to say, this is great to be an understudy for your for your show this evening. I'll do my best, hopefully, to live up to uh, Ben's, uh, I'm sure, high standards. <laughs> Well, I've, I wouldn't necessarily say understudy. I, I normally put special guest or guest starring <laughs> or, or, or one of one of those movie strap lines. But um, it's, it's really good to have you here, Michael. Um, today, we've got a, a topic that we're going to talk about kind of that is very close to my heart. And I think very close to all of us at First Intuition's Heart, because we see um, a lot of students obviously doing exams. We see a lot of students suffering from kind of stress and anxiety around exams. And, you know, it, it's something that, that we try and help students as much as we possibly can. Now, one thing that I, I kind of do want to make really clear from the start before we kind of get up, get into anything is that um, neither Michael nor myself are kind of clinical psychologists or doctors and if it is the case that you you have a a diagnosis for kind of clinical anxiety or anything like that I would listen to the advice of your medical professional rather than listening to Michael and I so the 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 tips that we're giving is I think for you know most students that we we come in contact with when I do you know we do sometimes have students that are, are suffering and do need medical support so I would urge you to continue with your medical support if that is you but, but otherwise, we hope that we can help you to put strategies in place to maybe relieve some of that stress. But before we get started, I think we, we owe our guest, Michael, um, to the, 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 the honour of doing a little introduction. And as you guys know, when we have guests on the show, what I like to do is ask them their superhero origin story. So I always think of this as the, the five minutes at the beginning of that Marvel movie where you find out who the superhero was to start with, you know, what gave them their superpowers to put them in the position they're in right now. So bitten by a radioactive spider or, or, or whatever it is. So, so Michael, I don't know if you want to give a little background, a bit of background about who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are. So thank you. Uh, thank you, David. And, and coming from Wales originally, I suppose being bitten by a, a radioactive uh, sheep was probably uh, the beginnings of, uh, of my superhero story. But uh, um, to be serious for a moment. Yeah, my my career started out uh, at university uh, with a, a business degree uh, with the ambition of going into business. And I was inspired by my father who uh, came from a working class background and, and and built himself up to to have a successful career himself in industry. Uh, I then, like many graduates, not knowing what I wanted to do uh, at the end of my degree, uh, applied to the accountancy firms and and got a place with KPMG on their graduate audit scheme. 
Uh, I studied for the ACA qualification. I dropped a few papers along the way, so I can tell you a few stories about my own experiences of dealing with exam uh, nerves and stress. But I did eventually pass the qualification and uh, and worked in audit for about 10 years before realizing that what I enjoyed most in my career was helping other people to fulfill their potential. So I then went on to uh, a role at KPMG within their learning function and eventually became a director with responsibility for all of the professional qualification programs uh, for the UK firm. Did that for about 15 years, uh, really enjoyed coaching uh, apprentices, graduate school leavers through their professional exams, uh, and then took a career break before deciding to join First Intuition, uh, where I'm a skills coach as well as a tutor. Uh, and I, I consider myself a, a professional warrior as well. So uh, I've lived with my own uh, general anxiety disorder for the last 15 years uh, and have therefore spent a lot of time researching the topics of fear, anxiety, uh, stress, uh, and, and developing my own uh, coping strategies as as well as giving advice to, to uh, students going through their own professional uh, journey and helping them to, to deal with their, their stress and, and hopefully go on to be successful. So, yeah, that's my story. So, and Michael, I think that w- when we have guests that are from a first intuition background, your, your story is, is kind of parallels so many, so many of your colleagues and so many of the colleagues that I work with in that you know, we all have you know, all have finished education, whether it's university or school or whatever, um, and then found ourselves in um, an accountancy role because you know it, it gave us so many different opportunities, and it's that I can continue to learn, and we've got all these different opportunities that that we can then go on to. So we're not pigeonholed anywhere. And then I think all of us have done that moment of realization where we think, what do I want to do with my career? What do I enjoy most? And the thing we enjoy most is mentoring and teaching you know, other people. And, and, you know, a lot of us have you know, found a home here. And I think it's kind of one of those traits that we tend to see is that, you know, the bit that we enjoy is the bit that we then go on and focus. And I think that, yeah, it's, you know, I, I think very, yeah, not necessarily common, but it's something that I really love about the, 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 the community that we have here at First Intuition is, is how we've all made that decision and decided that, we're going into teaching because it's something that we love to do. Whereas I think some people go into teaching for, you know, because they think they might like it. But I think that that's what is great about our industry is that if you want to be an accountant, you have to go on a learning journey to do it. And then yeah. you recognize that you love doing it. I think you're right. And I think as, as tutors and as coaches, you know, none of us want to see any of our, our colleagues going through uh, stress or anxiety or fear when they're, they're doing something that they really, really want to achieve, which is to get the professional qualification and membership, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh, and it often becomes this big obstacle to success, I think, for, for many people. And, and so, you know, for my part, I, I try to bring my own experiences and my own research and my own insights into dealing with uh, stress, anxiety and fear to try and make that journey just that little bit more um, uh, uh, I want to say the word pleasant, but that's probably going too far, but uh, at least more tolerable uh, uh, for, for, for people who do struggle with the, uh, with the process. Absolutely. And, and I, I've, I've been quite open on, on this podcast before about my experiences with failing exams. And it's something that I, I was at one point, you know, just you know, kind of really embarrassed about the fact that, oh, I failed exams. That's an embarrassment. I was a failure. Um, now I kind of 
use it as an example of look I failed exams this is this is what happened to me this is and I you know it I've said before it took me six months from failing an exam to being capable of actually studying properly for that exam again because it hit me that hard um and and I, I you know personally my my own anxiety around exams is not necessarily the anxiety leading up to an exam my anxiety is still about receiving results because I remember you know the bottom falling out of my world when I failed an exam thinking you know I've just failed I've now got to tell all those people that are expecting me to pass that I've failed and you know and 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 that for me is that every single time that I know I'm getting a result I feel those things again so I understand how you kind of get those those sorts of triggers but we're not talking about receiving results we're talking about that anxiety around you know, around taking an exam. So w- what I'm wanting to look at first of all is, or, or get, kind of get an idea on your thoughts about is why is it that people do get nervous before an exam? Why do they kind of feel that stress before taking an exam? So for me, fear exists in the space between where we see ourselves now and where we want to see ourselves in the future and because there is that uncertainty about the future and whether or not we'll achieve what we want uh, in our careers or in any aspect of our life fear can creep in particularly uh, if we tend to want to control uh, our circumstances Uh, and in fact what I found in coaching apprentices is those that desire more control over their their circumstances in their life are the ones that are most likely uh, to experience significant uh, fear or anxiety when they are facing this uncertainty about about an outcome that's that's important to them uh, I think you know a, a couple of things I want to sort of establish up front is fear is not a bad thing you know fear there's no such thing as good feeling good feelings or bad feelings there are only feelings and the response to those feelings is where things either get better or get worse. So a lot of what I'll probably share today is about trying to demystify and uh, the, the 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 concept that, that fear is a bad thing and something that should be avoided. It's simply a, a piece of information that you're receiving uh, through your body and, and mind that's telling you to take action. And so for me, uh, that's kind of the the first step in in better understanding it it's it's not about necessarily trying to avoid fear altogether it's about changing your relationship to it and then responding in a way that is that is more um more productive and is more likely to get you to that goal i think that you you've set for yourself so yeah up front i think if you're ever embarking on a challenging program such as an apprenticeship or professional qualification it's inevitable there's going to be uncertainty as to whether or not you'll succeed and the more passionate you are about achieving your goal the the greater that that energy becomes and the greater therefore the 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 amount of fear or anxiety can arise if if there are any doubts about whether or not you'll achieve that outcome so you know that's I guess that's for me why I think fear generally exists in the exam environment because you know you don't write the exam you don't know the questions that are going to come up in the exam you don't know if uh, if on the day there's going to be a problem with the technology or and so there's so many uncertainties that could become an obstacle to you uh you know demonstrating your your potential and of course you know we put a lot of pressure on ourselves we we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to perform uh, and 
and and as do employers you know and i speak as an, an ex you know head of a, of a learning function uh, which certainly in the early days of my career would would terminate students training contracts if they failed exams i mean that's the worst kind of you know um uh, behavior if you want to to try and reduce the amount of uh, anxiety and fear in, in in the learning environment you know putting people's jobs on the line is of course uh, you know a very stressful uh, experience and so yeah, for those reasons, I think this is a this is an environment that is very very prone to uh, fear, and and then from that anxiety, stress, uh, and in some cases, in the worst examples, panic. And, and panic is something I've I've experienced myself, and have coached apprentices on in in the exam. And yeah, it's a it's a complex subject uh, without any easy solutions. I have to say, I'm just managing your expectations, David. <laughs> I haven't got any, you know, here's three things. And if you do these three things, it will take away all your fears and, and worries. Um, but what I can tell you is that with, with practice uh, and with courage, you can actually work through these, uh, these issues to actually go on and, and still achieve your goals and be successful. Mm. I, 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 I'm kind of listening to you kind of as you, as you went through kind of your kind of understanding of, of kind of why we have fear. Um, I, I've kind of I've, I actually asked some of our, our tutor team to, to come up with you know some of their top reasons as to as to why they feel that that, that you know people get that kind of pre-exam stress. And I think you've nailed virtually all of them. So the first thing that they came up with fear of failure. And, you know, most people are kind of like, yeah, I'm really worried that I'm going to fail. Even if you're really, really well prepared, you still worry. Um, and as you said, you know, number two that people have got is because it's the unknown. And that's that's a big one for me is that I am a bit of a control freak. You know, I like to be in control of situations. Um, I don't like unknowns. You know, I, I want you know, unknowns to become knowns. So I, I don't like the fact that someone else has written an exam and I don't know what's going to be in it. I'd much rather be in control of that situation. So that's one that definitely would would cause me a degree of stress. And um, something that I thought was really interesting that you kind of mentioned, there, and this is something that, that one of um, one of my my team actually mentioned, was that sometimes we feel exam stress because we set ourselves very very high targets or standards. And you know, when you've got students that you know, and I remember these people when I was at when I was at school that you know are, are getting the prizes and they're you know they're, they're getting really really top marks. Sometimes they can be feeling stressed more than anyone else because they've set themselves these very very high targets. And if you set yourself a very high target, then you know, to, to, you know, to, to me sitting my ACCA exams, fifty percent was brilliant. You know, but to someone else, they might be setting themselves a target. I need to get over eighty percent in every exam that I do, otherwise I'm a failure. And you're setting yourself very, very high targets, which can cause you that kind of stress. Um, the other things that people said that, that I don't know if that, that, that are you know, not necessarily mentioned were sometimes we feel stressed because we feel unprepared. So maybe we haven't done enough work. Maybe we haven't rehearsed enough. Maybe we feel unprepared. Um, also, sometimes sitting an exam, you know, as, as I kind of alluded to, is a trigger to a prior experience. So if we've had bad experiences in exam rooms before, if you fail that French GCSE uh, and, you know, you're now going back into an exam room, you'll get echoes of that time when you found an exam really, really difficult. So that can sometimes cause a stress as well. But as you said, Michael, you know, stress or fear, it, it's, it's something you're going to encounter all the time. And you're right. It's how you respond to it. 
Yeah, I think we can, you know, the, the point you just made about the, the past experience is a really relevant one because the, the way we develop is that we we experience uh, feelings or emotions which then trigger thoughts and those thoughts then lead to a response. And what we do is as we, we develop in our childhood and, and through the influence of those around us, including our parents, uh, we develop habits uh, for how we deal with fear, anxiety, stress. And I was definitely one of those uh, whose response was to avoid the situation as much as possible. I'd bury my head in the sand and try and pretend that the whole problem would just go away when, of course, it wouldn't. Uh, and I think the, the, the key is to recognize that for many of us, we've built up these unhelpful patterns of, of, of responding to anxiety or fear, which we need to replace with more productive and more helpful ones that actually move us forward. And, and which is why, you know, when I, I coach my, my apprentices, you know, I try to get them to engage in the actions that are going to help move them forward uh, rather than um, try and distract themselves from the, the situation or, or just ignore it, because those two strategies never seem to work in, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, someone's actually mentioned here that um, if we understand that there is anxiety during the exam, um, you know, is there an issue there with having exams that have got you know, a huge amount of time pressure, which a lot of accounting exams do, that can increase anxiety you know, do you think that, you know, that the exams like that are fair or you know, do you think exams should be changed in any way? Well, I mean, that could open up a very, very different conversation as to the value of exams as a mode of assessment in the 21st century. You know, exams are based broadly on, on Victorian principles of, of, uh, of education and assessment. Uh, and certainly in my time uh, representing KPMG in the development of apprenticeships, we had a lot of discussions about the role that exams play in assessment w- versus other forms of assessment that are now openly encouraged with apprentices. But, but the reality is it's going to be different for everybody. You know, for some people, they are going to find that the pressure of the time particularly difficult, which is going to create that uncertainty and therefore the, the stress. Uh, for others, they, they may have other reasons to feel that the exams are unfair, such as you know, being computer-based as opposed to handwritten, whatever uh, was yep. the format that I used to do. So I, I think it's very difficult to establish a, a, an exam environment that is going to feel stress-free and, and fair to everybody. I think we all bring our own experiences uh, and our own preferences to the, to the exams. The key is for us to know and understand what those those preferences are and then to work with them within the constraints of, of you know, the exam format and, and, uh, and the, the actual questions that you're being asked to answer on the day. Yeah, I think I, I know I've certainly heard people within the industry um, that have been asked this question because I, I know that students will sometimes say, you know, what, why, why is it that I can pass an exam and get half of it wrong? Surely, as accountants, that's that's not right. Surely, they should be writing exams where it's possible to get a hundred percent because you want your tax return to be a hundred percent right. But the 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 thing that I've I've heard that countered with is that if you're working as an accountant or you're working in any profession, you are not going to be able to give a hundred percent to every single task you're asked to do. It's part of your job as an accountant or as a professional to to balance the work that you're doing to meet the needs of all stakeholders in your role and the the exam does you know train you to be able to do that to be able to recognize that this is the key information I need to give in each question 
And yes, there are other things I could add if I had the time, but I need to give key relevant information yeah. to, especially in management accounting exams that I teach. That that is exactly true. So we've established that exams are stressful and you know, students are going to feel stress. Um, some people are, are already conditioned to, to be able to manage stress fantastically. And I know there are people that almost relish the challenge that, right, I've got something unknown. I'm going to go in there. And it's almost they've got the I'm going to war with the examiner mentality. Um, whereas other people are, are very much actually, you know, I, I want to run away. I don't want to do this. So what I thought we'd look at is what are coping strategies that we can put in place to help us to manage that stress we're not going to say it's going to go away altogether and and I thought that we'd look at kind of three areas first of all if I've got an exam taking place in March and a lot of our listeners will have exams you know ACCA ICW exams maybe an AAT exam booked that far in advance we've got two months before that exam so what kind of things can we do today that are going to help to relieve stress in two months time that's a, a great question and one that I, I, I encourage my, my apprentices to, to, to think about well in, a, in advance of the, the exam itself. So, so there's three things I would say that are really, really important at this point in the, the journey. The first is to uh, accept that you're going to have to plan. You're going to have to plan if you want to achieve success in, in your professional exams. And so clarifying exactly what your goal is, uh, which in most people's cases to pass the exam, and then work backwards from that to think about how you can use the time that is available to you between now and the date of the exam to be as prepared as you can be. Because at the end of the day, no one can ever ask you to do more than, than your best given your your circumstances and the resources that are available to you. So, you know, provided that you put the, the time in up front to plan your approach, being realistic about your other responsibilities and your other commitments, and also knowing yourself, you know, if you know you're someone who you know, doesn't do uh, more than a couple of hours of study after after work of an evening, then there's no point planning in five or six hours of study one evening uh, into your study plan. So I think it's about having, you know, a realistic plan uh, that one that is you know, aligned to, you, to the goal that you want to achieve and and that you you try and stick to it as, as, as much as possible. And I think that way you're doing everything you can to prepare yourself uh, for the exam uh, to do the best that you can. The second piece of advice I give to, to apprentices, and I think this is this is a bit harder to do, but it, it really shifted my relationship with uh, fear and anxiety, was to uh, stop focusing on the outcome that I wanted and instead really focus and commit to the process. So to really put all your focus on the, what you're doing in the present moment to move you towards your goal, rather than thinking about the outcome that you want. Because when you're thinking about the outcome, you're focused on the uncertainty, and that's where the fear creeps in. If you're focused more on what you're doing in the present moment, then that is uh, is actually uh, reinforcing your um uh, your awareness of the work that you're doing to be successful uh, and, and tends to, to, to not create that space for, 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 for worry or anxiety to creep in. And then the third thing, again, uh, up front, I'd say is, uh, and this again is, is 
a change in mindset and one that uh, I think we all could do a lot to, 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 to focus on is to um, stop judging ourselves, stop being so hard on ourselves uh, in setting our, ourselves these incredibly high standards to achieve and then feel that in some way, if we don't achieve them, we are a failure. Uh, there is a distinction between having failed an exam and being a failure. Failing an exam has nothing to do with you uh, as a person, as a, as a human being. It has, says nothing about your identity. It's simply an outcome that is the product of a set of circumstances. But I think once you start rolling up the idea of failure into your identity uh, and thinking that I am a failure and people are going to judge me and what am I going to tell my parents? What am I going to tell my boss? What am I going to tell my, my partner? Uh, and, and that's, you know, again, where the, the fear really starts to, to creep in. Uh, and I think if you can change your mindset in those two ways and then have a, you know, a strong plan uh, and a realistic plan in place, that I think can help you to steady steady the ship, as it were, in, in those sort of months leading up to the exam itself. And then finally, of course, you know, the, the key message, which we always say to reach out for help when you need it. There is no shame in asking for help. In fact, I've coached partners, I've coached C-suite level uh, uh, professionals and the highest performers in business all have very strong support networks. They recognize when they need support and they are very confident in reaching out for it. Uh, and it is not a, a signal uh, uh, of failure or being unable to cope. It's an it's entirely legitimate strategy uh, for, for high performance. So, you know, going and speaking to your tutor, going and speaking to your coach, going and speaking to a colleague, can, can go a long way to helping you address those, those sources of, of worry and, and, and anxiety that you might have. I, I love the things you said there, Michael. So the, the, the first one is, is one that I think is, is really important. We talked about the, the need for planning, but then you also talked about the, the focus on what you're doing in that moment. Don't focus on that long-term, that, that long-term objective, because you're right. If, if you said to someone that's starting on their, their ICOW journey today, um, right, focus on that for those final exams you're going to take in three and a half years' time, that's just a mountain that is so big that, that you're instantly going to feel overwhelmed. But if you have that in your mind and say, right, this is my three and a half year plan. I'm now breaking it down into individual exam sittings. I'm looking at this exam sitting here. I'm breaking that down into the 10 weeks that I'm going to study. And today's Monday. And this is what I'm going to do today. So take the time to plan, but then focus on those micro targets that you've got along the way. So, yeah, I, I really like that. And then another one that really resonated with me was um, the... The fact that every successful professional um, has got a bank of help uh, and has got a, a, you know, a, a support network. And I think this is something that I think schools and universities you know, almost are counterproductive to what you need to do to, to success to succeed in the world of work so you know having worked in finance for you know the, the, you know getting on for kind of 25 years now, I know that, you know, the, the, the successful accountants are the ones that recognize I can't do this. So I'm going to get an expert in to do this for me. I can't do this. I'm going to get an expert. In, and I'm going to focus purely on those things that I'm really good at. If I look at partners in firms, some of them have said, right, I'm not really good at doing 
audit work. I'm not really good at doing tax work. I'm really, really good at client management. So I'm just going to look after our clients, make sure our clients are happy because that's how I can bring most value. And I'm going to outsource everything else to my team. And you know, as a student what, or, or you know, as a tutor, what I want my students to do is outsource their stress and worry to me. So if you're working through 60 questions over the course of a week and you struggle with the patch of five of them, I want you to tell me, Dave, I'm really struggling with these five questions. Can you help me with them? And you focus on the other ones that you can actually attack. I'll, I'll worry about teaching you a slightly different way to achieve the, the answer in those questions. And you don't need to sit there stressing and worrying and going through your notes and saying, I'm never, ever going to get this. I, that's what my job is. And, and I think sometimes school teaches us that you must work out the answer yourself rather than you must make the best use of your network to be able to enable you to succeed. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, if you've got project work to do, you just copy someone else's. You know, there are certain things that you know you have to do as your own work. But when sitting an exam, I, you know, I would call upon every single expert you can to, to lend their help to you, whether it's someone that helps you, you know, to, to actually get to the exam in the right frame of mind or whether it's someone that helps to teach you something technical. Nothing wrong with asking for help at all. So I, I think that's a really powerful point. That I think a lot of people feel they must do it on their own rather than recognise that they've got an amazing network around them that can help. Again, I put this out to some of our team um, and I just kind of want to go through some of the ideas that they came back to try and remove that stress. And the first one that, that we've got is prepare well, um, which I think we covered in terms of planning and all yeah. those kind of things. Um, one that I like is um, putting yourself in that stressful position before you go into the exam. And I, I'm reminded of, you know, of, you know, sports biographies that I've that I've read. And I'm a I'm a sucker for for a biography, especially of anyone in sports. And if you look at anyone that's successful in sports, whether it's their you know taking a penalty in an FA Cup final, um, whether it's their you know they're putting for the Masters, or they you know they're they're, they're taking a, a you know a kick in rugby to to win the game, whatever it is, what they'll tell you is that in that moment, I knew that I'd done the work because I put myself in that position in practice time after time after time. And we've all heard stories about, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, staying after practice to hit free kicks until he can do it in his sleep. You know, uh, the, the, the Michael Jordan documentary that was on TV last year talks about in one of his final games where he had to take a free throw to win the game. He said, I felt no stress at all because I'd taken that shot 50,000 times before in practice. And it was just a case of doing the thing that I was used to. We can do that in exams. You, know, you can put yourself in that position by sitting exam questions, by sitting mock exams in exam conditions to time. And, and this is something that sometimes you need to be a bit creative around. You know, I, I know a lot of people will say, I don't have three hours to be able to you know, sit in the quiet and do an exam because I've got family at home that are noisy and I've never got time to do it. Um, I, I would say, well, if you're a first intuition student, first intuition, I've got classrooms. They're quite often empty during the weekends, sometimes during the week. We are more than happy to let you sit there to do a, to do a mock exam. You know, libraries are reopening and, and you can sit in the library. They're always quiet and they will give you the time to do an exam. Your work have got meeting rooms that are probably not being used after four o'clock. Can you sit there after work? The office is still open and do a mock exam to time there. There are methods to do it, but sometimes you need to think a bit beyond what you have at home and, and look at other things. Um, someone told me as well that what they used to do for their exam is they lived in Kent 
where, where they worked, but they had to take exams in London. And she said that every time she had an exam, she would go to London the night before and she would stay in a hotel. So she didn't need to worry about the stress of getting there in the morning. She could just be there. But then she also told me that, oh, but that didn't work for my friends because she couldn't sleep in a different bed. (laughs) As a result, her friend who studied with her stayed at home and commuted the next day. And she stayed there overnight. But, you know, is there anything that we can put in place to remove that kind of stress? And then the other thing, things that we always talk about is look after yourself on that journey you know make sure that you're looking after your diet make sure that you're sleeping make sure that you stay hydrated make sure you're trying to do exercise make sure you're staying healthy because if you're unhealthy then you're not going to perform as well as you possibly can okay so look after yourself yeah and have have a real i think people generally underestimate just how resilient they can be in difficult circumstances and 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 you know, you've speaking to the, the 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 students on the call here. You've you've got to this point in your life, having overcome any number of circumstances that caused you fear and anxiety at the time, and you coped and you dealt with it and you moved on. And and there's no reason why that cannot also be the case with the professional uh, exams and and the aspects of the qualification at the at the end of the day. There's a great book. It's it's uh, it's a seminal uh, personal development book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And the fundamental principle behind that that book is that what stops us from taking action is is not the fear itself. It's the fear that we can't deal with the consequences of of the outcome. So it's the fear that well, what if I do fail? How am I going to handle that? Uh, and and sometimes it can it can go the other way. Some people fear being successful how am I going to handle the success if that happens for me so we are by nature very resilient people and and I've never in my experience of coaching hundreds of of, of not apprentices over the years come across anyone who hasn't been able to handle you know the outcome of a professional exam I've sadly you know in my my experience had to to terminate people's employment contracts and yet I've always followed up with them afterwards to see what happened to them in their lives and they've gone on to have successful careers in other organizations and in some ways better careers than they might have had if they'd stayed where they were do you know what I mean so so I think you know having that confidence that that you can be resilient to whatever happens in your life and deal with it can really help to reduce the, the 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 space for that fear to creep in, as well as of course all those good examples you use, David, to not bring extra stress into the into the environment. I mean, you know, exa- exams are stressful enough. Adding extra problems to your your uh, your day, such as leaving, you know, five minutes before the exams supposed to start, you know, is just not not helpful. So yeah, all those other techniques I think are really good. I, mean, I, I love that what, what you said there about the uh, about people that you had to let go and terminate their employment and then they went on to have successful careers it is you know, something that I've uh, uh, that I do myself um my wife always tells me that I do it to her all the time as well and I, I, I've you know I've actually worked through it with students before is do something that I, I kind of refer to as what if analysis which is right okay you're scared of failing what if it happens you know, what was, you know, what genuinely, what, what is the thing that's, that you're scared of? If you fail the exam, what's going to happen? And it might be in your case that, you know, you, that, that someone is working for a, a big firm where, you know, you will be made redundant. It goes, I'll lose my job. And then it's, okay, so you lose your job. Are, is there a shortage of accountants out there at the moment? You know, no. 
Okay, everyone is looking for part qualified accountants right now. It's, 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 there's a massive shortage of part qualified accountants. So if you lose your job, do you think you're likely to get another job? Yes. So the, the only outcome is that you're going to have a job as an accountant where you're going to be training at the end of it and you've lost three months. Um, and, you know, or it might be, I'm not going to lose my job. Okay, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, my boss might be upset. Okay, but you, your boss isn't going to be upset enough to sack you. Are you good at your job? Yes, I am good at my job. You know, or it might be that, you know, oh, my parents will be disappointed. Okay, your parents will be disappointed, but, you know, are, are they going to stop loving you? No. Okay, okay. Are, are they going to be really proud of you if you pass the exam the next time around? Yes, they probably will. So it's, you, you go through every scenario and it's very rare that you ever get to a doomsday scenario of my entire world is going to come crashing around, crashing down upon me. And, you know, I'm not going to have anything. It's if you, you know, if you follow those kind of things through, usually at the end of it, it's like, OK, so I'm going to have a job and it might just be six months before I get a pay rise. And this is the funny thing, isn't it? Because actually, you know, the the basic chemistry in our bodies that creates all these these responses you know was designed uh thousands of years ago when you know it, it, we were literally you know facing life and death uh situations on a daily basis so we needed this the system to to force us to, to take action whether it's fight flight or freeze what's happened over time though is now we've we've, we've lost those you know life-threatening in most cases life-threatening stimulants and now replace them with things that are far less life-threatening but they're no less um difficult to f- experience because of the feelings that then we attach to them so you know it can feel like a life and death situation when you're about to lose your job potentially when of course your life isn't going to literally end uh it, but it feels like that because that's the system that we have to, to work with so uh, so doing that kind of what if i like that that what if kind of uh, practice can really help to give you some perspective uh on on uh, on life uh, and 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 your capacity to deal with it yeah um I realize we're actually getting quite close to time. So, Michael, as long as you're happy to continue for kind of a few minutes after our allotted time, um, if you do need to head off, then, then you know, I won't be offended. Um, but the, the next thing I want to look at is we've reached the exam day. And, you know, I, I know that some people have got coping mechanisms for how they deal with the exam day, but I know it can be an incredibly stressful time. Um, it's the time when you feel that maybe you can't do the exam um it, it's the time when you feel that you want to run away and go home and not engage with that exam so are, are there any things that that you would recommend that people did on exam day to try and you know help them reduce the level of stress that they're feeling or the level of fear they're feeling yeah so first of all i'd say that uh, there's a little bit of, of uh biology i'd like to just go through here so when you're experiencing anxiety or stress you're triggering your parasympathetic nerve, nervous system uh, and that just gives you that on edge feeling that you experience typically in an exam for example if you look at a question and you think oh I'm not going to be able to answer this. I can't deal with this. That's the parasympathetic nervous system triggers. And it actually takes uh, all the blood from your brain uh, and actually stops you from being able to work the the kind of cognitive processes that you need to do uh, in an exam to pass. So that's why often you can panic an exam and think you've lost all of that knowledge. It's not because you've lost it. It's because all the blood has flown out of your brain into the parasympathetic nervous system uh, to prepare for that flight and flight response. 
But the good news is we have the, the vagus nerve, which is a different nerve that actually calms us down. And the way to activate that vagus nerve is through deep breathing. So my number one tip for dealing with anxiety or panic attack or stress in an exam is to breathe slowly and deeply for a minimum of five to six deep breaths. And that activates the, the vagus nerve and actually calms you down. And then as the blood starts to flow back into your brain, you're then able to be uh, uh, more uh, thoughtful and more um, uh, practical in then deciding what kind of response you want to then uh, follow through with in the exam. Uh, and that could be, you know, getting up and, and going to the toilet to, 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 you know, have a glass of water or just get a bit of distance from the, the exam hall for a moment. Uh, it could be to change your approach to the order of the questions in which you're going to answer to focus on ones which are going to build up your confidence uh, hopefully over the, the next you know few minutes and, and possibly few hours uh, those you know those are a couple of things that I would do the other piece of advice I have is, is just to to recognize that it, it's it's always possible that you might experience anxiety in, in an exam so what is your plan for dealing with that if it happens because if you have a plan ready to go then once you've calmed down you can activate that plan immediately and start to see some uh, some success if you haven't considered the the possibility that you might struggle with a particular question and you haven't got a plan uh, what to do then that is just going to trigger more thoughts of anxiety in that moment which is then going to keep that parasympathetic nerve flowing and, and keep the the blood away from your brain uh, and helping you to to come up with a, a more thoughtful uh, uh, resolution to the problem so yeah deep breathing is number one uh, if you need to get outside of the exam hall for a few minutes to help get some distance is another one but having a plan of, of how to, to respond and then activating that plan for me is also pretty critical. So I, I, I had no idea of the actual kind of like biology behind that. But I believe and this has been mentioned by a few of my colleagues, exactly as you said, one of the, 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 the ways to try and reduce that stress is to uh, get outside, take some big lungfuls of fresh air because that's something that can calm me down. If you think about, you know, I, I know that certainly when I sit down and take an exam, before I open it, I kind of almost close my eyes, just kind of like take a couple of deep breaths. I'm kind of almost doing it here now. And, and it's like, right now I'm ready to attack the exam. I feel calm, I'm ready to go. I had no idea that it was anything other than, you know, just, you know, a routine I went through that there was actually biology linked to it. So I, I, I really like that. I think every um, tutor that I've spoken to has said, put the notes away, you know, reading your notes, you know, half an hour before an exam, when you're feeling stressed is going to make you more stressed. Yeah, um, definitely. Especially if you are going through that reaction where, you know, blood is flowing away from your brain and you're thinking, I've never seen this before. You have seen it before. You're prepared for this exam. You know, it, it's, you know, trust the work that you've done. You, you know, that, that last minute cramming isn't going to do any good in the exam. It's only going to put you in a worse position. And then, that last thing you said about planning, um, I, I, I yeah, talk about visualization um, and you know, that's partly because I read all of those, those, those biographies by athletes. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it's, it, with all of those athletes, the thing that they do is they do visualize this, you know, and it's, you know, Bradley Wiggins, I think, said when he won the Olympic Games that you know, when he won the, the track Olympic medal, for, I think the first one he goes, I, I'd won that medal in my, ha in my head so many times before. 
you know, it's, it's, you know, when it came to it, I knew I'd won it because I'd already I'd already raced that race. Uh, and, you know, that they'd already gone through every turn, every lap, exactly what he was going to do. That it, it was, you know, imprinted in his brain. And we yeah, can do that with exams. It's fascinating. Uh, I've done some research into this. And, and actually, the, the brain cannot distinguish between a visualization and a reality from the perspective of the, of, of the neurochemistry. Uh, so that the same synapses that are triggered when you experience stress and exam can be triggered by simply visualizing yourself in an exam experiencing stress. So for that very reason, visualization is really helpful because you can connect with what it feels like to be in that situation, but then come up with a plan of what you will then do uh, on the day. Uh, and, uh, and of course, exposing yourself to, 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 to uncomfortableness helps to desensitize you to it as well. So, you know, uh, the, the, the best way to, to, to change your relationship with to fear is to is it to experience it and, and learn to, to 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 respond to it in a productive way. Mm. And then other things that colleagues have have mentioned to me today is um one of them links with a point you made kind of about 10 minutes ago about your inner voice and the way that you think about things. And I think it was very you know, really interesting that, that, that they, they said exactly the same thing as you is that there's a difference between saying I failed an exam versus I'm a failure. And, you know, if you think of yourself as being a failure, then that that's what your thoughts are going to be based around. If you think I failed an exam, that's right. I've done this, but that's not what I'm about. I'm about something slightly different. So, you know, I, I've met that a lot with, you know, students that have said I can't do it. Okay, or you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I just don't understand it. Uh, and sometimes the battle is not necessarily in making you understand; it's changing your vocabulary so that instead of saying that I don't understand, it's I find this really challenging. That's different to I don't understand. I don't understand means that you know I've told myself I'm not going to be able to do this. I find it really challenging means I find it hard, but challenging things I can overcome. Yeah, there's a great phrase that I, I picked up recently that said, what comes out of your mouth comes into your reality. Mm-hmm. So what you speak, uh, the way you, you, if you say I, I'm a failure or I'm going to fail this exam, you're, you're almost you know, um, predetermining the outcome. Uh, and then your behavior aligns to that outcome. And, and, and surprise, surprise, <laughs> you, get, you get the outcome that you, uh, you've been talking yourself into for the last three or four weeks. So language, again, and the way you're, you talk about yourself can have a big impact. And, and most negative self-talk, in my experience, is about uh, effectively preparing you for the outcome and, and almost like trying to, to, to say, well, you'll deal with the failure because I've basically told you already in your head that you failed. So you've, you're going through all of the, the feelings of what that's like now so that when you do experience it for real, you're prepared. But, you know, the, of course, that's not the reality. It's just your negative voice telling you one reality or one possible reality which is that you might fail but um give more space to your your champion inside you who says you can pass this exam you know you have done the work you can uh um uh get enough marks to 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 get a pass in this exam because yeah we tend to give far more uh oxygen to our inner critic than we do to our inner champion in my experience yes yeah and and something that uh, i I can't. I think I heard it on the radio a while ago. Um, someone that someone was saying that if you look at how, say, your your children or your nephews or your nieces react to the things that you say, you will talk to them for five minutes and they'll remember that three years later. You know, your kids will remember the lessons that you taught them. You know, into their adulthood. Now, that's that's through five minutes worth of exposure. You're exposed to that same voice twenty four hours a day. 
So it's having a much bigger impact on you than it's having on all those people. And you can see the impact that has on those people. So, you know, I, 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 I like that idea of, you know, if you can change the way you think about your situation or the, the pressure you're under or the exam you're sitting, you know, you can change the whole way you feel about it. Um, the other things that I've got down is, and there's, there's two that I want to talk about in terms of on the day and how you do this, you know, can be a bit of a puzzle. But the first one is someone suggested your body language, because the way that you hold yourself can impact on the way that you feel about things. And, and you know, again, I know this from athletes. You see the way that athletes prepare for races, prepare for games. You know, there's a lot of body language in there to try to change the way that they're feeling. Um, one of one of my colleagues said that before every exam, she, she went into the toilet because she didn't want to do it in front of anyone else, went into a cubicle and, and she would make herself as tall as she could. She would kind of like try and like, you know, put her shoulders back, head up, make herself feel tall and strong and powerful. And say, right, now I'm ready to sit the exam, which I, I like the idea that, you know, you, you can do that. And, and I, I know there are studies. There's a, there's a lovely TED talk that I, I saw a little while ago where it, they talked about you know, power poses, changing your, your behavior and your mindset. And then the other one that was recommended to me was music uh, and listening to certain pieces of music can help to change the way they feel. And again, uh, another one of my colleagues said before every single professional exam that she did, and she did the ICAS exams, which I think are the most exams in any professional qualification, she listened to Eye of the Tiger before every single <laughs> exam because it really got her up for it and ready for it and ready to attack the exam. Now, I, I've said this before, that I, I think that, that music is something that is really undervalued in how it can change your mood. We all know about we're out for a good night on a Friday, so let's play some music to get us in the mood. But you can use that to help get you focused for an exam. Uh, I, I don't know what your thoughts about either of those. There are uh, there are a lot of respected professional coaches and and, perfor- uh, and uh, performance coaches who subscribe to the, this theory that people who are successful are successful because they operate on a different frequency to everybody else. Uh, and when I talk about frequency, I mean, in terms of energy uh, and, and music is a way of, 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 of energizing people. I mean, you, you, you've, you, we've all had that experience of listening to a song, which you know, makes the hairs on the, on, our, on the back of our neck stand up. And that's you know, because we're the energy that's flowing through us at that point is, is so uh, powerful. And, and there's, there, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of research that's been, done in into this area to prove that if you can get yourself up to that level of, of energy and frequency for success then that is going to then have a major impact on your performance in 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 you know the situation that you face so yeah i, I would definitely pump myself up with some uh, with some tunes uh, ahead of an exam if i was mm-hmm. going into one now for sure I know that we had our, uh, our uh, as some listeners know, we had our offset inspection in, in Chelmsford um, in back in kind of October, November last year. And um, Kelly, who is who is kind of leading the inspection from from our perspective, was she was in the office early and I, I kind of saw her kind of making her notes. And she had these big kind of um, pieces of big A3 piece of paper stuff whatever the biggest size paper is kind of stuck on the wall. And she was making notes on the wall of things that she needed to remember. And um, she had an airport in it. She was just listening to David Guetta 
as as loud as she possibly could. And she was singing at the top of her lungs and you could just feel the energy that she had. Uh, and, you know, she, she will always play that kind of music when, you know, she really, you know, wants to get up for something and really needs to feel energised. So you can kind of see it in action sometimes. But, uh, you maybe know, I, I a, maybe she should have an FI playlist of, you know, songs <laughs> that are particularly effective at improving exam performance. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then also the uh, uh, the songs that are particularly um, effective when it comes to revision um, and things that you can listen to when you revise. Um, I, I did it with my son. My son um, did his GCSEs last year and I, I had to drive him to, to and from the station to go to school. Um, and we played the same playlist every single day um, as he was doing his exams. And now whenever he hears one of those songs, it's like, oh, right, it feels like I'm going to do my exam now. And it's, you know, almost like that Pavlovian response of, you know, of, of getting getting associating those things, but also associating your mindset. Yep. And saying, all oh, right, I've heard that song. I'm ready for an exam. And, and it is, yeah, it's amazing how those things work. You know, and, and it's, you know, I, I guess, you know, from our students' perspective, you know, it's, you know, when you've done a question really well, play a song and keep playing that song after you've had some kind of minor success and then play that song before you're going to the exam. You're instantly going to be feeling in that kind of successful Successful mindset, hopefully. Great and idea. Then the, the last part is when you're actually in the exam room, and, and I think you've already answered one of my questions here, because or one of the comments here is that when you're in that exam room, as you said, deep breath, take a deep breath, you know, as you know, when you're feeling that kind of stress, and and that's something that I would always do. But when you're in that exam hall and the the, the invigilators are about to say go. What what else can we do there to to help to reduce the stress and enable us to perform as well as we can? For me, it's it's about defining success in that moment as just doing your best with the the exam script that you have uh, have uh, in front of you and to yeah be in the present moment i, I can't i can't say uh, enough how important it is to to be focused in that present moment on what you're 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 doing uh, in the exam uh, and not think about you know the future or the past because the past has happened it's gone it's there's nothing you can do about it the future it it doesn't exist the future is simply a thought that that, that you create in your mind uh, and there could be 50 different versions uh, of the the future that you might imagine and and from my experience my imagination has always created far worse outcomes in my life than reality has ever dealt me. Uh, so, you know, if you want to spend that time in the exam worrying about the future and what will happen if you don't pass this exam, your mind will take you to places that will go far beyond any any um, experience that you might experience in, in the real world. So to really try and use your breathing to center yourself and pull yourself back into that present moment and just simply look at the situation in front of you and find a way through it, um, you know, question by question, minute by minute and until until the end of the exam. I think that for me is the is the best advice I could give to that question. Yeah, I, I, I like that when you talk about kind of minute by minute and and that's almost how I would have your plan it is your plan in the exam is minute by minute and you know 
people that have been taught by me will know I talk about allocating your time in the exam so you're spending the right amount of time on each question uh, and that to me is right just work for right I've got 20 minutes uh, I'm doing this question in that 20 minutes and when that 20 minutes is on it's done I'm on to the next question and that's 25 minutes and when that's done I'm on to the next question uh, and you know for me it's break it down into little chunks of manageable time. Three yeah. hours is a huge amount of time to be doing an exam. And it's very, very easy to be attacking one bit of the exam and then worrying because you haven't spent enough time on the other part of the exam and then losing time. And then you start to snowball and start to worry about, am I actually gonna get this exam finished? Whereas, right, 20 minutes, done. 25 minutes, done. Okay, I, I, I even used to write down, at the moment I start the, the exam, the, the question, I would write down, right, 20 minutes time is, okay, there, that's half past, write down half past, that's when I've got to stop this question. Just so that I can, you know, as I said earlier, I, I like being in control, so I remain in control of the exam, the exam's not controlling me. Um, other things that, that, that some of my colleagues have said today that are really practical is take time over reading the question. So it, 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 it's very easy to read the question, hurry through it, start answering it, realise you've made a mistake in your answer and then have to correct yourself. And then you're getting yourself into a position where you're not sticking to your plan because it, 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 you're doing the same question twice because you messed it up the first time. So I'd rather you read the question twice and invested the time there and then actually answered the right question um, one that, that, that someone told me today was, uh, and it sounds as odd when they said, they said, take a break in the exam. And I was like, what, take 20 minutes? They said, no, take 30 seconds. You finished a long question. Instead of just plowing straight into the next question, you're going to have all that baggage from the last question carried forward. And you're going to start to blur the boundaries between the two of them. Just look up, take 30 seconds. As we've said several times, deep breathing, then get into the next question. And it will really help you to attack it freshly. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're the things that, that I would look at in that exam. But it's if you've done the right things leading up to it, hopefully you're going to be in a place where you're giving yourself the best chance in the exam. And then the final thing that I want to mention is just and this is going to be the shortest question, hopefully. Um, finish the exam. What are your kind of tips for avoiding increasing stress because there should be amazing relief you've done the exam you've left everything out there in the exam hall nothing can touch you now so what do we do to try and reduce the stress that we feel after the exam so if i could burst into the song let it go from frozen right now i would david but uh, i won't <laughs> but those three those three words really sum it up for me let it go there's nothing you can do after the exam is over to change the outcome uh, and if, if like me, your, your potentially your anxiety is triggered by talking to other people about how they felt the exam went and, and what they put for a particular answer, then know that those are your triggers and, and avoid them. Uh, I would always, as soon as I, I finished the exam, I'd leave the exam hall. I'd go off and, uh, uh, and, uh, grab a coffee or, or do something that took me away from um, that environment and, and, and give myself some self-compassion and treat myself, do something I enjoy doing, uh, either going to the movies or having a nice meal something that's completely different to uh, to the exams uh, and just yeah let it go uh, I, I agree I was I always avoid people that talk about the exam afterwards um, and it's it, it, I just think that they tend to worry you more than than help you um, and it now as a tutor um, and, and you know, I, I'm always really keen to find out 
what's in the exam. So the exams have been taken, say uh, ICW exams been taken or an ACCA exams been taken. I, I would like to go online and find out what's happening in the discussion forums to say how people found the exam, what was in the exam. And you know, with my tutor's hat on, I can look at some of the comments people make and say, no, that's not what the examiner wanted you to do because the examiner's not going to ask you to do that in this particular exam, because I know what this exam is about. I've seen so many versions, you know, so many papers of this exam. I know how the examiner thinks. That's not the way that they would ask a question. So you've misread or misunderstood that particular exam question. I can recognize it because I'm not in a position of having taken that exam, but I'll guarantee you most of the people reading that will go, oh my God, I didn't do that. I did something different uh, and I see it now. And that's what's happening outside exam rooms where people are coming out and talking about how they got on. They're talking about what their experience of the exam is. And that's not necessarily how the exam actually was. It's their, you know, it's their, their mind telling them this is what the exam looked for. So I, I avoid people talking about the exam. I know some people actually quite enjoy it. And if that's you, then go for it. But I agree. Get away from the exam. Look after yourself. Do something you really, really enjoy doing. Um, you know, these exams stack up really, really, you know, in, in quite an intense fashion nowadays. So in my case, you've only got two or three weeks before you're starting studying on the next exam. So, take, you know, treat that time as being very precious yeah. uh, and look after yourself. Do things that, that you that you love to do that you probably put on hold while you've been studying for those exams. So I, I agree 100 percent there. But we've we've gone a little bit over time. So I apologize, Michael, if there are people. Of waiting for you at home but it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you and I've definitely learned a lot I'm sure the people here tonight have and the people listening are also really going to appreciate that so um, thank you very much for, for coming on the show anytime you want to come back and talk to people I will be more than happy to have you have you guessed um, and might even be a time when Ben's here as well so there'll be two of us asking you questions so thank you for coming along Michael I've really enjoyed it thank you uh, uh, David it's been a real pleasure and and, and best of Best of luck to everybody who's listened to this podcast and uh, I wish you all the best for your for your future uh, exams. Excellent. And to everyone that is is listening to the podcast, thank you so much for taking the time to download. Um, if you if you get the opportunity, could you um, leave a review or, um, or, or leave some comments? Because we really do appreciate when people do that. Um, we will see everyone next week. Um, but in the meantime, everyone stay safe. Good luck with your studying and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.